Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe and ring that notification bell to get notified when our next episode goes up early next week. And if you'd like to support the channel, I'd like to remind you that we do have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. If you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, as always, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on, as always. Always great to have you. And we have a special guest today. We have John Linneman of Digital Foundry joining us. Welcome, John. Gentlemen, how's it going? Going well. How are you? Not too bad on this uh, lovely afternoon here. <laughs> John, I wanted yep. to say uh, congrats on uh, on securing Audi for the uh, for Digital Foundry. It's a great, great pickup. Great guy, and uh, I'm sure he's going to do uh, wonderful things there at DF. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally bring him in to do some good stuff for us. Uh, it's always great to add someone else to the to the fold. Yes, we look forward to the excellent production that he will bring your channel, which is already... CDI, Bubsy, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Lots, lots of good stuff on behind the scenes. Uh, I think it's going to be very, very good for us. Absolutely. Something to look forward to. And I'm going to introduce today's topic, and it's going to be about the idea that Nintendo could very realistically introduce two Switch models... In the coming year, one that we are going to dub for this conversation, the Switch XL, which would be a 7-inch OLED-based Tegra X1, so the same internals that the current Switch have, and then further down the line, a Switch Pro, which is a unit I have alluded to now several times, and it is my contention that the Switch Pro will have 4K features, and this will be achieved using NVIDIA's DLSS system, and we're going to explore this topic deeper than what we have seen so far out there from numerous channels, and we want to emphasize that this is just a discussion, this is speculation of what could happen based on historic trends, and just how information is being reported, and gauging exactly how this could play out. So, Let's start with the idea that Nintendo does bring about a minor refresh, and that would be with the Switch XL. And this is something that, John, you and the folks at Digital Foundry had touched on a bit. And originally, my line of thought was the Bloomberg article was implying the existence of a Switch Pro. But after listening to your discussion, I amended my thoughts and said, you know what, this makes a lot more sense that Nintendo would introduce a Switch XL in 2021. And two of the main reasons were this suits Nintendo's historic trends, and this is also a potential avenue for Nintendo to ramp up production of select components, specifically the OLED screen and the use or need of a brand new dock that is HDMI 2.1 equipped, because as we know, the current Switch is HDMI 1.4 and using a 1.4 is simply incompatible with 4K 60 FPS gaming and that is something Nintendo would need with the inevitable Switch Pro. So this seems like a good stepping stone for Nintendo to go this route. Yeah, so I think there might have been some confusion around the discussion that we had where when we were referencing the Bloomberg article, I think we were specifically talking about 
the potential for a refresh, as you say, the XL, uh, rather than the next Switch, or more like the enhanced Switch, which I do kind of think could very well be uh, two separate things. At least, you know, let, let's consider that for now. That, that's the consideration here, is that Nintendo has a refresh in the works, the XL, and they also have this sort of enhanced Switch, which you're calling the Pro. Um, and so, like you said, historically speaking, this is this wouldn't be unique to either Nintendo or other console companies as well, right? Like I think I mentioned before, you you look at stuff like the Xbox One S that added 4K and HDR support. Uh, the PS4 Slim came along with a new form factor right at the same time as the PS4 Pro. Nintendo is always releasing updates to their systems, often with uh, the same functionality, but slight modifications to the features. We saw this with GBA a lot. We saw it with DS and 3DS. Uh, so I kind of I can kind of see the idea of them essentially swapping in a new switch replacement. We'll say the XL becomes the new default switch. They phase out some of the old components, such as the original LCD screen. They make the jump to this new OLED panel, and then that panel could also serve as the basis for whatever switch follows it, right? Because they've all, now it's in the production chain. It may actually prove cheaper in the long run. And beyond that, uh, OLED screen tends to be somewhat more energy efficient, I think, especially when displaying darker colors. I mean, if you're blasting white all the time, that does have an impact, (laughs) Uh, unlike LCD, which is always lit. So, uh, yeah, this idea of them essentially beefing up parts for a potential refresh or for a potential, I want to say next generation system, but this whole like thing is kind of flipped, I guess. It would be more in line with like, the new 3ds maybe but like mm-hmm. the, the the pro but i think they wouldn't want to launch it in the same way where it's just like oh here's this thing that plays a few new games so so uh, john do you think that um i guess mike i think everything you said i i agree with the only part that i have questions about is the 4k capabilities when you dock the thing right so obviously it's not going to use DLSS because it's just it's going to be using the same chipset, right? Um, so Pretend, I mean that's, that that's just the the theory right now, yeah. right? Well, how do you think they'll solve for the the 4K thing? I guess is is my question to you. So my guess on that, if if this new um, tease, we'll say the XL again, if the XL is capable of 4K output, I well obviously it does require the new dock, as you mentioned, Nate where you know the current dock is HDMI 1.4. Uh, by switching to a 7-inch tablet-style uh, screen versus the 6.2-inch, is it, I think, yep. in the original Switch, uh, that increase in size is not only a new feature for consumers, but it could also impact the form factor, which could then in turn make it so that that system physically wouldn't fit in the old dock. And I could see that being done as a strategic thing to say, okay, well, you need this new dock to, to dock the Switch. And then that ties into the fact that it has 4K output. But that 4K output, I think, in this case, would actually just be like basic yeah. upscaling right, rather right. than uh, you know any sort of like image processing to output a higher resolution. In that, in that sense, it would be conceivably like xbox one s well it's interesting because on i don't know if you've used the nvidia shield um but it has it has um it's not on the game side but it's on the the video 
um, side, if you kind of watch a video, there's a there's some really cool uh, machine learning upscaling kind of tech technology in there. It's not the oh, OSS, yeah. but I'm I'm wondering if they'll leverage that. You know, um, I, we've actually looked at the Tegra stuff and the Shield with yep. the upscaling. It's not great, to be honest. Um, I mean, they could theoretically use that, but I I would imagine it would be more of a traditional upscale, right. or some kind of other potential add-in i think there wasn't there some mention of like uh, some sort of 4k upscaling chip that they were adding to the to the mix or maybe that's just refer- referring to the dock or something yeah the data mine which is referred to as aula said this is the one that actually implied that there was something in the pipeline that had a new display controller which would lead to the oled screen was that they were experimenting with a real tech 4K chip in the dock, and that that would be used to upscale the image. And that, so, see, that's completely feasible, uh-huh. I think. And an upscaling chip in the dock is something that could be done. Versus like DLSS, I think we've seen some indications people suggesting well they could just bolt in DLSS, but that's <laughs> functionally impossible. It's it's so deeply tied to the to the SOC as it would be to the actual chip itself. Uh, mm-hmm. that you couldn't just integrate it that way. It's a deep integration. But t- traditional upscaling can absolutely be done with an external device, external chipset, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, maybe just ties into whatever new circuitry they're implementing into the dock to support 4K output. Because, yeah, that's that's going to be required to get that 4K video, some sort of dock upgrade that's the only way like there's there's a lot of people that use the uh the the m classic that um it's that kind of that that scale yeah that's right it sits on your hdmi line um i'm not suggesting they're going to use an m classic as their solution but they could i I think the the concept is is very much the same they could see i I would actually be i would i would be really worried about that Mm -hmm. kind of implementation if they were to implement some sort of like system-wide upscaling algorithm yeah, right similar to the m classic that could look good on select titles but yep. you know we, the switch is heavy on a lot of indie games a lot of pixel art games uh classic emulations things like that none of that stuff works well correct with that sort yeah. of upscaling solution so it would kind of ruin the image quality on a great number of games so i think that would be a horrible choice for them and i don't think that that's what they're going to do mm-hmm. we'll be back after a quick break Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes, it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now <laughs> see it's interesting to think that if they do introduce the switch xl and it comes with the new dock with some sort of 4k upscaling just you know, simple 4K upscaling as we've been discussing, is that I could see this easily phase out the current Switch model, and this would be the entry point moving forward for the Nintendo Switch line, and that it really matches what Nintendo does historically. We've seen it with the 3DS. 
you had the 3ds it was phased out for the new 3ds and even that was kind of then you had just the new 3ds xl and you know so on and so forth there were so many different models or even with the ds you had the ds dsi dsi xl and they just kind of phase out the model beforehand so the current model that we have the og or the v2 if it is replaced by this xl it makes sense that we would then be introduced to the pro which would probably be placed as a premium model which would have the native well not native per se but would have 4k features achieved with dlss and that would be the true 4k switch for the product line mm. precisely and that yeah i, I mean, mean that i i think that that makes a lot of sense if mm-hmm. they could release like an xl this year uh, I think in the other video, we discussed sort of the production limitations with going for a smaller process right now. That's kind of facing a lot of other companies. Uh, this would yes. essentially buy them time on that side as well. Um, so you basically introduce this new sort of Excel model, and then months later, you can introduce months, year, I don't know how long later, you basically <laughs> introduce this enhanced new model as well. Uh, and then they can coexist. It also gives you a chance mm-hmm. to... So you're, they first, they renew interest in the Switch, not that it needs it because it's still selling very well, but it's sort of... It does renew some interest in the machine. Uh, it sets up their supply chain with these new parts. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the in the background, they're working on getting up to speed on this new Pro unit. And then by the time that releases, they could potentially bring down the cost of the entry-level model and then have this new either slightly more expensive or similarly priced pro unit become like the de facto platform for switch. Mm-hmm. And then that's essentially like the pro slash one X style device. And just like Microsoft and Sony, they will continue to sell uh, sort of the other unit, but they may want to bring them all up to standard or at least to like have like a similar aesthetic, a similar design approach, something like that, which is why, you know, the original Xbox one went away it didn't really fit in with their new line. And it's really the same with the PS4, where once they introduced the Pro and the Slim, that had its own unique sort of design signature. And I could kind of see that happening. Yeah, because what we typically see from console manufacturers are once components become cheaper or they find alternative cheaper parts to replace what they were currently using, is you see them fade away from the older models. And as you've alluded to, if the OLED screen is cheaper than the LCD that they're currently currently using, they're just going to shift away from that LCD unit completely, replace it with the OLED. And, and that I mean, that may sound silly to people, but this is the kind of stuff that does happen in manufacturing, where like an old part can become scarce and more difficult to obtain, which in turn raises the price. It's why you would see Microsoft ship larger hard drives in the original Xbox, and then just sort of. Uh, fence them off so you only have access to the normal amount of space or i think when nintendo switched to the gba sp the ags 101 i don't they they advertised new brighter screen on the box of course but i gather that that was one of those cases where it's just like suddenly became sort of more uh logical for them to just source a normal backlit lcd at that point in time versus continuing to utilize whatever solution they'd come up with prior and I could totally see that being the case here. Yeah, and to the consumer, you're thinking, you're looking at it saying, oh, this is awesome. I'm getting a better screen. I'm getting all this. And Nintendo's saying, this is saving us, you know, let's say $10 a screen. We're charging you the same money. Our profit revenue is now going up because our margins increased. 
and you as the consumer are just sitting and saying, oh, I'm getting a better product now. And Nintendo's return on investment is now higher than it. And that, that would be a win-win too, because you actually would be getting a better product. Yes. I so mean, it's not just like Nintendo fooling people or anything. <laughs> Theoretically, if this was true, it's not just like, oh, they're, they're right. taking us for a ride. You know, an OLED screen is definitely a superior choice. All right, gentlemen, sure. I, I have a question. We, we haven't we haven't covered the the big elephant in the room, and that is performance on the Switch. So let's let's assume that they come out with the XL. It's got a seven inch OLED screen. It pops. It looks absolutely gorgeous. But then I put in I put in um, uh, Hyrule Warriors, and it's running at fifteen frames per second. Is yeah. this new Switch XL going to have any type of performance boosts? So that's an interesting question because we faced this to some degree with the 3DS line when they made the jump to new 3DS where there were games, not many, uh, but specifically one of those Warriors games that shipped on the console that was kind of optimized for the new system. And then you could play it on the regular 3DS, but the experience was extremely poor. And I kind of, so I feel like there's a precedent there where I hate to say it, but like the the older machine will be supported, but not necessarily always in an optimal way. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. I I don't know. It's it's a, it's a tricky thing though because I feel like Nintendo typically wouldn't want to do that, but there is a history of it actually happening. Yeah, I mean it's a tough question because theoretically, depending on the type of battery life you're getting out of the Switch XL, because you know OLED is a little more energy efficient than the LCD is could Nintendo opt to boost some of the internal clocks of the GPU or even the CPU kind of similar to what we saw Sony do with the PSP where they boosted the clocks in one specific model so you could play games like God of War Ghost of Sparta at a higher frame rate could Nintendo do that with the Switch XL I mean theoretically yes because we know the current internals with the Mariko chip they could clock these substantially higher than what they did, but they prioritize battery life over performance. So they do have a little flexibility if they decided to do that. I mean, theoretically, if it's a slightly larger unit, which we don't know yet, uh, if it were, they could in fact include a slightly larger battery as well Mm -hmm. uh, because it would still be uh, the same chip. So they wouldn't have savings there, but between the slight power savings from the OLED screen, uh, potentially a larger battery. I mean, it is feasible, I suppose, that they could actually do that. I'm not sh- It's really hard to say if they would, though. Yeah. It- Nintendo doesn't have too much of a history of just unlocking things like that in that way. But right. let's, let's, assume, let's assume they don't do that, right? And, and all you're getting yeah. is a bigger screen, which, you know, to some people, that's that's fantastic. But... How much of an upgrade is it really then at that point? If it's just an OLED screen that's seven inches. See, I don't think it would be that significant. It would be nice in terms of visual design, of yeah. course, for, for many games, but that's where it gets tricky with this idea of the two handheld design, because if you release this new product and all the marketing's thrown behind that, but you also have something else in the works that is more powerful. How do you communicate that to customers? That's what I'm not sure. This is reminding me of the 32X and the Saturn all over again, John. I mean, a little bit, I guess. The only difference is that these would play the same games. So. <laughs> That's a good point. They will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so I don't know about that. I mean, that that's why it's like this is just us kind of yeah theorizing here, right? We're we're thinking about this, like, okay, could they do two units or was it just one unit? You know, what I've been thinking about is just this idea of having the second unit, but um, it is a tough sell in that sense. I mean, they could just refresh the current switch and add a seven inch OLED display and be done with it. Right. And that's, that's the base model. And that, that, that would be akin to the, the GBASP AGS one oh one, where it's just like, put a thing on the box, yeah. new screen, 4k upscaling or something. Yep. I don't yep. know. Uh, absolutely. And I, and that would, that would be fine. You know what I'm saying? I think that would work well for them. Um, and then, yeah, yeah I mean, like you said, companies refresh hardware all the time. So I could see that as, as the marketing approach. I just, you know, I, I just kind of think that a lot of people are expecting a Switch XL to also come with some enhancements as far as performance. So I think, you yeah. know, Nintendo has to be very careful how they, how, how they market this. And look, I'm not, I'm not questioning their marketing abilities because obviously they've knocked it out of the park with the Switch. But I do, I do wonder if this will have some performance boosts, even if it's just, you know, exclusively in dock mode, for example. See, I I wouldn't expect a minor refresh to have any performance enhancements. I really think it would just be positioned as it has a better screen, it's it's a bigger screen, and they would leave it at that because it's it's simple, it's a direct marketing approach. You really don't need to have significant lead time to bring this to shelves. It can just be, hey, starting in two weeks, we're gonna have the new Switch XL on the on store shelves. Bigger screen, OLED based enjoy and then you gradually see the current switch just kind of fade away because as we've seen there is a rumor going around this is unverified information that nvidia is potentially shutting down production of the tx1 and that's the chip that the current switch uses and that we have theorized would be also used in this switch xl model but the problem with this rumor is there's no timeline to when production could potentially cease. It ranges from imminent to just it will end in 2021. But there's a big difference between production ending, let's say, this month or the end of the month, like Mario. Mario ends on Mario on March 31st <laughs> and December 31st. That is a significant difference in terms of production output. And if production did end, let's say at the earliest timeline, production ends this month, that would pretty much put a kibosh to our idea of a Switch XL using the Mariko chip. Yep. Sure would. But if it continues to the end of the year, Nintendo could stockpile these chips feasibly for probably another year of production. In terms of. Absolutely. And maybe more. I mean, this. This is why, again, all rumor stuff, but you have you have something like that come out. Maybe NVIDIA, you hear a rumor like, oh, they're going to shut down production on this. Nintendo maybe makes this decision to go ahead with uh, this revision, maybe, while also working on this new product. Because they could say, you know, I, I, we talked about this in the last video, but again, uh, doing seven nanometer chips right now, not not good for that. So I could see them having a real hard time getting actual units produced for launch of a new enhanced switch in 2021 specifically. 
even if maybe at some point maybe they were planning on that you know like feasibly and then they're like suddenly make a u-turn here and they have this second product that was also kind of being worked on because they're always working on these things in the background for sure uh, and then they just decided to go ahead with this dual unit thing and then nvidia basically pushes back the closure of this line down until like the end of the year perhaps and then nintendo just stockpiles the chips yeah i mean it definitely seems realistic i mean as we're talking about this the idea of a switch xl or just the current switch replaced with an oled screen it seems as though it does have foundation just in the way we're discussing it it makes too much sense for a company like nintendo to have at least explored this possibility and as we talked like if nvidia is planning production shut down for later this year if Nintendo's original plan was to introduce a Pro this year, but due to the semiconductor shortage and the struggle to find supply lines to create your product right now, you pivot and say, let's continue to use the yep. production line that we have with 16 nanometer Marco. We can slap on the new screen that we're planning for our higher spec revision. And we're going to get that new dock in manufacturing so that we can begin that production line so we can hit mass production in time for the introduction of the Pro. It feels like pieces of this puzzle are kind of falling into place, at least potentially. Because as we said, this is speculation. This is just a discussion of it's, what may happen. Yeah, exactly. It's pure speculation, but it's also kind of... It presents a plan that seems realistic, I guess you could say. Whether it's the actual plan, we don't know yet, but... Correct. It, it, it is a plan that I could see a company like Nintendo actually putting into action. Mm -hmm. Now, we could shift over to the idea of the Switch revision or the bigger deal, the Switch Pro that I continue to use the moniker of, even though people, if you want to call it the Super Switch, the new Nintendo Switch, you can brand it, what have you. The Switch uh, Professional okay. Switch suits me fine. <laughs> oh no, the Switch U. <laughs> no, I will not allow Switch U on the show. Come on, one more, one more time. No, Switch U. <laughs> Switch with two eyes. Switch. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. We're They're showing off the latest Switch here for you. <laughs> so. My contention is that this is a unit that 4K features achieved with DLSS. I originally was anticipating that it would be it would launch in 2021, but I am now a believer it will launch in 2022. But I expect an announcement in the coming fiscal year for Nintendo. And one key detail that I'm waiting on, and I think everyone should be waiting on, even for the XL or the or the possibility of the TX1 shutdown is Nintendo's guidance that will come out, I believe, the first week of May when they detail their fiscal year and how many units they're preparing to ship. If we see them come with some very low number or a very, very high number, we have a be better way to accurately gauge their intentions for the coming year in terms of hardware sales and production. But the Switch Pro, it feels like it is an inevitability. This is the natural order of things and yeah it's, it's interesting i guess at this point when, when when you say switch pro that evokes a specific type of device which is mm -hmm. an enhancement based on a current platform which yes. is something nintendo's obviously 
uh, no stranger to in the handheld market, but that was embraced in the console space only really with Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. Uh, and, you know, I guess it's kind of like you kind of get into this debate over what, what that even means in this case, because they're still limited by, you know, thermals and power draw and all that in the handheld space. So there's really only so far they could push this, I suppose. So it could either be considered a mid-gen refresh, or it could just be considered this is the next switch that's also backwards compatible with the new stuff or with the old stuff. But either way, um, I think this is obviously where they have to go because the switch is starting to show its age, I think, with a lot of games. And while we're still very much in that cross-generational period, I do think uh, it is becoming increasingly challenging for developers to bring their games over to the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is, like, you know, I briefly looked at um, Apex on the Switch. It comes to us from a very experienced developer, but it's not, <laughs> it doesn't run very well. <laughs> it's it, it's uh, It has some issues. And this is something that's becoming increasingly common. You mentioned MVG earlier, the, uh, the Hyrule Warriors game, mm-hmm. or whatever... The yeah. new one is called the Age, Age of, of Calamity, Calamity, I guess. Yep. That's uh, it's atrocious. It, yep. it runs terribly. And we've seen other games like this. It's, it's becoming more and more common now. So it's clear that developers are starting to bump up against this. And as next-generation consoles become the norm, eventually, you know, creators are going to want something a little bit more powerful. Like it, Nobody's expecting this to match a PS5. That's not possible, given the form factor. But they're going to want something that makes it a little bit easier to transition down to, which also then gets into this whole issue of if it's a mid-gen refresh, like a Switch Pro, uh, that makes to me it seems like it would be challenging to continue to support the original Switch or the XL, as we've been calling it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that just seems like that's... that's this is like opening a can of worms here. Or do they go down the route that they tried with the new 3DS where they had specific uh, certain games could be run only on the new 3DS and they had a unique packaging design specifically denoting that? Could that be something we'd see again? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it's definitely a challenge for them because for the Switch Pro to utilize something like DLSS, it will need an SOC change. It cannot be TX1 based. So, yeah, it would have to be a new generation of NVIDIA chip. Some, yes. Probably something derived from their current uh, chipset. Mm-hmm, which would be... Either the most recent or the prior one. Yeah. Yes, it would need... Yeah, because it needs tensor cores, so it would have to be either... I believe it's Ampere based. I think that was okay, the first yeah. thing introduced. See, that would, ma- that would make sense then. So yeah, an Ampere based new chip would make a lot of sense in this case, and that's probably what we'd see. And I mean, that's the thing that's kind of in the point of controversy or debate is that when you think of traditional console generations, when you see such a leap in architecture, you'd say, well, this is a successor. This can't be a mid-gen refresh. It's- exactly. <laughs> but I guess, I guess the debate would come down to how is Nintendo going to market this? If Nintendo brings it to market and they just say, this is new Nintendo Switch, like, okay, your, your marketing has opted to come out and say, this is an improved Switch. We're not calling it Switch 2. You're saying games like Breath of the Wild 2, Splatoon 3, which are coming out in 2022, 
are going to be on the current Switch and this new Nintendo Switch or Switch Pro. And maybe you commit even further with first-party games being on both platforms. Does that create a foggy effect of what exactly is this, you know, this platform? Or is it going to come down to will... Like, I've heard that there will be some third-party games exclusive to this new Switch. Now, it could be few and far between. It could be like a new 3DS situation. I guess guess that really comes down to Nintendo's marketing and really how they want to position this unit. I've also speculated that Nintendo may do the mobile-type approach of we're going to have software supported on both these platforms, old and new, And then as time advances, we're just going to simply fade out the old platform. And then in another three to four years, we introduce another higher spec platform that we call Switch Super Pro. And you're going to have some (laughs) cross support across the platforms again. And then we fade out the older model and, you know, continue onward in that path. I mean, it's all speculation. We really don't know how Nintendo may position this unit, but the technology inside would certainly imply this is a substantial leap over what we currently have and they could brand it a switch to if they really wanted to it's just a question yeah that's the thing because you know a new nvidia chip with dss with dlss capabilities (laughs) uh dlss 2.0 especially is extremely effective i mean you can render at obscenely low resolutions down to like 720p and then run dlss all the way up to 4k and you have a suitably 4K looking image. I mean, there's obviously flaws if you look closely, but you know, just to the eye playing the game, the image quality is superb. So you save a lot in terms of just the raw underlying resolution that you need to hit, um, which also then suggests that there would be a lot of extra headroom for boosted performance. So I feel like you'd get both image quality and frame rate boosts, significant boosts over the original Switch. Yeah, I mean, this unit would be, I mean, it would probably far exceed what we would even view as like the PlayStation 4 Pro to the PlayStation 4. Because but maybe this- it's more like Xbox One X versus Xbox One because that was also, that was a pretty massive leap. <laughs> yeah, that was a big leap. And then, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Microsoft could have branded the One X as a new generation of the Xbox, if they really wanted to, but they knew in the background they were working on the Xbox Series X, and there was no reason to brand the One X as the brand new Xbox. But the leap was certainly substantial enough to be considered a successor. Yeah, I think, you know, this kind of gets into what they were targeting. I mean, the whole focus there was we want to deliver Xbox One class games at high resolutions, higher resolutions that are fit for a 4K screen, which also kind of could potentially be the focus here for the new Switch. But also like 1X, uh, that extra horsepower that would be required to get there would also introduce faster performance. So it would be kind of that double improvement which we've seen before. So I think the the thing you said, John, before kind of really resonated with me, and that is we have to always keep in mind that the Switch Pro or the Super Switch still has to maintain a five-hour battery life in handheld mode, right? Yeah, so that's, that's how, how do you how do you balance that? How do, how does that how does that look on paper? I mean, you could say, look, 
they could go um they could go all out in in hand in dock mode right and just basically un- uncap everything sure but um when you take take the system in handheld mode it has to drop everything back to an appropriate you know level to have a good experience playing games and have a good battery life to boot so i don't yeah. know if if you know thinking about going going crazy with a new nvidia um chip and everything is, is the way that we should be thinking about this because i still feel like nintendo is going to you know keep this confined to to something that's manageable from a you know from a hybrid console standpoint you know yeah i think you're probably right about that i mean they will gain some battery life back just from using uh seven nanometer versus 16 right yeah but not enough especially with all these new features so i suspect that it'll have an impact on which ampere features are available and it would also have an impact on how high it's clocked uh but because so i guess you know dlss could also be used technically in handheld i suppose it could but this might this this might you know be why we would see still a 720p screen uh just keeps the 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 maximum resolution you need to hit much lower right and i guess you're maintaining existing compatibility with current switch games anyway because you're not you're not basically forcing them forcing them to all get patched you know to support a different resolution right so you know exactly so i think i think that would make sense and you would you know kind of naturally for games that use uh dynamic resolution scaling especially in handheld mode Mm -hmm. many of those games do support scaling up to the native screen resolution of the panel anyway so yep. you would you should theoretically gain that benefit where it would just hit the the upper bounds of the DRS range more often right. if not all the time uh while in portable mode whereas that you know if you were using a higher res screen in there then you'd have to deal more with scaling anyway yeah so i think uh so, so you're right i think it's going to be a, a system that focuses on boosting image quality which is something that they could do realistically with DLSS and then maybe just stabilizing performance as well. But it's not, I don't think you're right. That actually makes a lot of sense. They wouldn't be pushing this stuff up because fundamentally it still needs to be a portable system. Mm-hmm. And there's just the laws of uh, th- thermodynamics still in effect here. Absolutely. That make it so they, they can't just run wild with this stuff. You, battery uh, Batteries remain the, the key limitation here. Yeah. I mean, and, I, well, heat, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've overclocked a switch, um, and it gets hot. You know, it, it literally it does. is blowing hot air out the top of the fans, and it's not something you want to give your kid, you know, and, and have, have him rest his switch on his you know on his on his leg or something um and burn himself right i mean we have to be very mindful of you know to make sure that the thermals are appropriately set correctly you know mm-hmm. i mean and we know that's something that's important to nintendo yeah because with the current switch they put heat distribution and just the overall temperature as a key focus and that's why they downclocked the unit to what they did because they didn't want people burning their hands or the switch melting while in docked mode and I think John brings up a good point there when he mentioned that they could position the Switch Pro as primarily primarily a system that is for clearer image quality yeah. and FPS improvement. Especially, you know, if you can play a game like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and it not looked like a blurry, pixelated mess mm-hmm. in handheld mode, a lot of people would welcome that. I mean, honestly, yeah. what it would take is... is um 
some type of AI upscaling or reconstruction. DLSS is obviously what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. and a boost in, in memory clocks and memory bandwidth. I mean, I think if, oh, if you... Oh, memory, memory bandwidth, especially. Yeah, if you, if you apply those two things, um, all of a sudden, I think it'll really, really be a lot, lot more um, beneficial to performance. Because it's not necessarily about being the fastest, right? It's not about getting no. that max theoretical clock speed right because that doesn't make any sense it's really no, about you know the, the 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 most effective ways to make an image look better and and perform better right and um i think i think those two things is what you really want to go for and that dlss makes a lot of sense for nintendo and nvidia obviously yep. nvidia wants to continue to push this technology uh and nintendo is naturally going to be looking for ways to squeeze Im- improved image quality uh, out of a device without massively increasing you know the size of the chip and just the amount of processing it has to do and all that you know so it's a it's a it's a smart choice yeah i mean dlss is kind of a nintendo it's exactly the type of cheat code that a company like nintendo is looking to use this way, you're not competing one to one with PlayStation or the Series X, but you're going to you're going to be able to deliver image quality that it's not going to rival it one to one. But you're going to get close enough that with select games to the average consumer, they're not going to really be able to tell the difference between the two. The thing is, though, is DLSS is so good at this point that mm-hmm. we've seen plenty of cases where running, uh, say, like 1080p internal resolution dlss up to 4k actually produces a better image than just native 4k yep yeah that's so that's that's kind of where we're at now it's (laughs) it's that good so and it's interesting you say that i am i've i'm i know we're kind of i'm moving aside a little bit but um you know the xbox series x and the ps5 right they don't have um Mm -hmm. obviously they don't have that built into their hardware and i've always up to this point have kind of felt like there's no need for a mid-season refresh of those consoles but now with dlss and the ability to basically like you said reconstruct an image at 4k and make it look as good and sometimes better i am wondering if amd and and microsoft and sony will start thinking about a refresh of the hardware that has that built into it you know yeah, because I think the machine learning capabilities of these new machines, it's still questionable at this point. Uh, you know, there has been some mention of ML, especially on the Xbox side, but uh, I don't think that they could just implement something yeah. like DLSS in there. No, Certainly not. No, definitely and not. And AMD itself <laughs> doesn't have anything comparable. I mean, they're working on their own uh, image boost um, technologies currently but we haven't seen anything like DLSS from them at this point. Right. And I think mm-hmm. in that in that regard, Nintendo, like you said, Nate, has, is holding a, you know, they're holding um, the cheat code, right, to get really good image quality because yeah. they've got Nintendo in their pocket. So yeah, I think that's it, really helpful, beneficial to them. I mean, and it's just wild to consider that, and I don't envy the position that you will be in at Digital Foundry, but if this platform does release, let's say early next year, and there is a cross-gen game, let's just use Resident Evil 8 as the example, and it comes to the Switch Pro, and it has the DLSS functionality, and somehow it produces cleaner image quality 
than the PlayStation 5 or Series X version, I can't even imagine the discourse oh, that would occur. I, mean, I, I think that would that be topic. really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that topic, and it would really, <laughs> it would really support the need for that type of machine learning mm-hmm. image enhancement. That would be uh, disruptive I, uh, in a good it way. It would be. Yeah. Yes. But you just know that's going to be the embers of a fl- of a fanboy <laughs> war of like how's the Switch Pro outperforming these platforms? But like it is and it isn't. It did because they have the cheat code active. <laughs> but that's where if DLSS is enabled in portable mode, you could render this. You could render a game 540p, maybe even 480p. We've seen quite a few of those on the switch i mean tech, can, i'd actually be curious to see if you could go as low as like 360p you know you yeah. think you could go to 360p I and wanna, clean it up to 720 i, I want to see I uh, xenoblade chronicles um, definitive <laughs> edition no I, actually you know i i dlss starts to get i mean machine learning does i feel like it still needs like a certain level of source information to perform its best and I kind of wonder if you get down to resolutions that low, if it yeah. starts to become troublesome to work out and you end up with a lot of like weird stuff in the image. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know if DLSS could save our on the switch. <laughs> no, but again, though, like I said, the thing, the main thing here though, is it's so many switch games use dynamic resolution scaling and yes. old switch games probably won't receive DLSS supports. And so that's something that needs to be implemented at the engine level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead, you know, you just get higher, higher dynamic resolutions and games would just kind of naturally, theoretically, they should just look better without any yeah. updates and run better. Like if you loaded up uh, age of calamity, for instance, that should automatically run much better on a system like this. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's been one thing I've seen some people say, oh, I can't wait to boot up breath of the wild and it will have dlss like it won't have dlss what you will get are just the net gains from the improved hardware so the frame rate will be more consistent you'll get a resolution boost because it is a dynamic range or dynamic resolution style game or even games like doom 2016 or doom eternal you'll get some net gains on those you know on those products but dlss would be something that would be moving forward be new releases not prior releases yeah and i mean still it would be very exciting to see a high profile cross-platform game like a resident evil 8 come to the switch pro with dlss just to see how it stacks up to those native versions on playstation 5 or xbox series x and if nintendo can deliver a product that's very close to that experience you have a very interesting platform there. Well, then yeah, that, that'll really prove that ter- teraflops doesn't mean anything at that point, right? I mean, everyone's yeah. talking about, you know, the number of teraflops is is what defines how powerful a system is. If if the Switch Pro comes out and Resident Evil 8 is running with DLSS and the image quality is just about there or it's it's it matches what we're seeing on next-gen hardware or current-gen hardware, then, yeah, I mean, that whole argument about you know, power is just gone out the window. Um, the hmm, this this uh, hold on a sec. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. Cause somebody just paid me. Oh no no okay sorry I know. Uh, it's this 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 whole like power. So you say like teraflops no longer matter. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree as well. I mean that's pretty pretty clear mm-hmm. at this point. 
but this is something interesting about the discussion of what matters and this is this is difficult for the gaming community i think to understand that what matters is not something that's always consistent it changes depending on many factors so there was a point where you could argue that yeah that is a really important metric uh now it's less important it's the same with resolution there people always say like well you guys focused heavily on resolution back in the day and now you say it's not that important and then they don't understand why and it really just comes down to you know image treatment has changed a lot when you when you're dealing with fewer pixels and poor quality anti-aliasing those pixels matter a lot more so like you know 648 versus 720p with fxaa that's a huge difference once you start getting up into these high resolutions with like machine learned AI or machine learning AA, like mm-hmm. DLSS and TAA, all this kind of stuff like that. Suddenly the difference between like native 4k and like, you know, 1620 P or something, it's very difficult to detect and it's no longer the important thing. And that's exactly, so that's kind of what we're seeing happening is there's all these new technologies being created to sort of like, uh, make up for deficiencies in hardware it's like okay well this is a very heavy operation to do this what if we come up with some way to offset that to produce an equivalent or superior result uh using less computing power yeah basically that's kind of what the whole point of dlss is i guess and that's why the conversation is always shifting around what matters mm-hmm. i think and- um the the thing that really stood out for me, I think Rich Rich Ledbetter said it. Um, I don't remember when, but it was when you guys were looking at the next-gen hardware. He said something along the lines of, you know, uh, graphs on a on a chart don't mean anything anymore. You know, like... Yep. Um, and he's absolutely right. There's We're coming up with these new technologies that really are just changing the way that we, we think about how things are and um i i that's something that's always kind of stood out and in my mind especially in this generation where it's not just about raw performance anymore it's there's so many different things that can make a game look good and perform well and um i think you know ultimately that's that's the direction we're going to continue to go go down now one one thing i do want to touch on because you did mention it in terms of you know computation efficiency what would you say are the odds that Nintendo does allow DLSS in portable mode? Um, I see no reason why that's not feasible. You think they um, could deliver DLSS and maintain, let's say, a four to five hour battery life? Because as it's uh, known, if they rendered the game natively at 720p, that is a bigger energy draw than rendering it at 540p and then upscaling it with DLSS to 720 yeah so that's i guess that's the question is we don't when there isn't that i i guess i don't know enough about how much power draw this would take from the chip you know running at mm-hmm. off a battery because we've all, our only experience with this so far is on graphics cards connected to a high power pc right. so i guess theoretically you could kind of measure uh, but i you could just measure the power draw from the graphics card rendering like say native 4k versus 1080p with dlss i haven't mm-hmm. actually done this i'm sure somebody has done this <laughs> but it might and might sort of reveal uh the difference there but when you're dealing with the resolutions like 720p which is actually pretty low as is mm-hmm. would i it's it's a good possibility that 540p with dlss might actually be 
more demanding in terms of power draw. But okay. th there's technically no reason why it couldn't work, but I guess it's just that power draw balance to keep in mind. Because it definitely would be interesting to see them implement DLSS in handheld mode, because theoretically it means you could try to port more demanding games to the platform because you would have that flexibility of rendering the game at a lower native resolution and then still delivering that 720p image. Whereas now we're playing games like ARC in handheld mode at like 180p. Uh, we, we joke about ARC because it's really bad, but yes. I'd, I'd say it's, it's a good amount of games actually. The average big Switch release <laughs> runs below 720p. Yes. And That's what we found in portable mode. Yeah, and Digital Foundry just put out a video earlier earlier this week with Crash Bandicoot 4, and I believe it's 540p in handheld mode. Uh, it seems to be somewhat dynamic, I guess, as usual, okay. but it's mostly around that level, yeah. And then docked, it's more around 720p, sometimes above, sometimes below. That's kind of the weird thing, especially with like Unreal Engine 4 scaling, is like the resolution can change yes. a lot. So you kind of just have to settle on, this is the average resolution that you're getting. Mm -hmm. to establish the average picture quality. Yes. But in such cases, like with the Switch Pro, these type of games would utilize that feature. They would be rendered at, or they'd be upscaled to 720p in handheld mode. They could go up to 4K while docked and be a completely different you know, experience in terms of image quality of what we're seeing. But I think that gives kind of an idea that if you do introduce a Switch Pro, because when we look at Crash Bandicoot 4, it was it's not a super demanding game in the sense of, you know, something on the RE engine. But it is a demanding enough game that uh, the current Switch is just, it's not up to par to handle It's still it. an Unreal Engine 4-based game. Right. Using a lot of its techniques. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's not inconsequential for the hardware. Especially right. because, you know, Unreal Engine 4 is primarily a, it's a deferred render, so that's pretty difficult on the Switch as is, which is why something like Memory Bandwidth would be mm -hmm. really useful. Um, a nice boost for a Switch Pro. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think when we combine the two topics that we've discussed today, I think we've kind of paved a good roadmap that Nintendo may be considering and even jotting down for themselves is you introduce that minor <laughs> refresh of the switch xl you get the mass production of the oled screen the new dock and then sometime next year early next year you introduce this pro and you deliver this higher quality experience and it how do you it just comes down to how they want to market it do you want to market it as that successor do you want to market it as just a premium switch i mean they have the challenge ahead of them but this just sounds like a smart roadmap for a company like Nintendo to I could see it use moving well forward. I could see it well, working well. Yeah, because, I mean, as we mentioned, the current Switch is, it's beginning to show its age and its limitations. Oh, absolutely. It, I'm seeing it more and more. Yeah. The, Though it is, yeah, I, I think it's really fascinating, actually. That's, Switch is my favorite <laughs> platform to cover still, really because of that fact. I love seeing what developers can squeeze out of uh, aging hardware. And I mean, they've been, they've been squeezing a lot from this fruit. <laughs> yeah. 
I'd say on average, the, uh, the efforts we see from developers are pretty impressive, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, I mean, we just saw EA get the Frostbite engine running on the platform with the upcoming release of Plants vs. Zombies. We just see Respawn put Apex Legends on the platform. But like when I view something like Frostbite engine being added to the Switch this late, to me, that's kind of... That indicates to me that maybe EA is aware of the Switch Pro for next year, and they want to get the the engine up and running, at least on the current Switch, so that they could say, okay, we've worked on it. We know what we can get with this platform. Hopefully, it's an easy transition to the new Switch. Like This was their way of familiarizing themselves with the engine on Nintendo hardware, because if they really cared about the Switch platform this much, they would have got that engine up here a few years ago to start getting some of these ports ready. And this is just them at the last minute saying, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, made a mistake, but, but you know, it's this, these things take time, I guess. And, uh, yes. Capcom was also late to the party with the RE engine on switch. We've mm-hmm. only just now seen the fruits of that. And you can see that it was already important to them to get those games onto the switch. I mean, they had the resident evil seven, uh, the streaming version, right? Yes. You know they would have loved to have proper Resident Evil 7 on the Switch, but clearly it was, wasn't was feasible at the time. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's completely feasible now. Yeah, and as as a developer, I mean, that has worked on Switch games, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't really understand, and that is um, there is definitely work that needs to be done to get games running on the Switch. I mean, it's a completely different architecture than than um x86 obviously so there's there's a different api different architecture um john mentioned the way rendering is handled is 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 different to you know what what unreal engine and unity utilize so there is a lot of work in some cases to get games running and then there's work on top of that to optimize and get them running at a good level of performance and that's already after you've brought over everything, like you know, for like Frostbite yep. or RE Engine, they had to do all the work to actually get that working on the Switch in the first place. Yeah, I couldn't I'd imagine, imagine. I couldn't imagine. It's a lot of work working on that team doing that stuff. It's hard stuff, and, man. Absolutely. I believe the RE Engine on Switch is actually it's a slate. It's a modified version of the that, RE Engine. I mean, that they they've done this before with a MT framework. Yes. Where they had the sort of MT framework mobile, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that makes perfect sense. Obviously, I mean, it, that's I don't think that's that different from like Unreal Engine Four, where Unreal Engine Four you kind of have different profiles you can target, as it's designed to support everything from a cheap mobile phone, uh, you know, like a low cost Android <laughs> phone, up to like a high end PC, and everything in between. So it's very flexible, but obviously these internal tools, they're probably not going to have the same level of uh, engineering budget and manpower poured into getting it like that. So, you know, that's whole Epic's whole business <laughs> or unity as well. So very good point. But I mean, I'm excited to see what Nintendo does over the course of the next, we'll say 12 months. I mean, the possibility of two revisions yeah. or two new, it's coming out. This is all fun to speculate. I hope people realize yeah. it's, it's just kind of, you know, we don't know any of this for certain. We're not, <laughs> we don't have too much secret knowledge here about what they're doing, but it is fun to talk about. Absolutely. I definitely had fun with this topic. And 
I think everything we said sounds very reasonable and realistic and grounded. If it doesn't go out this way, I think I'd be a little surprised to see Nintendo try something I new. I would but... be completely surprised if they showed up this year with uh, an enhanced Switch. Yes, I, that, I'm definitely that would be not. shocking to me. Yeah, I just don't see how that's feasible. I mean, yeah. <laughs> not with the semiconductor shortage and everything going on. I can't see a Switch Pro launching in 2021. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. We are, see, that, we are in a consensus on that. Give me that Excel, though. <laughs> you just want to check out that OLED screen. I, I do. I do. <laughs> though, interestingly, somebody on Twitter actually raised a point about the OLED screen that I, that I actually hadn't thought about is uh, what if they used the Pentile Matrix? layout for the subpixels hmm, be that would be bad yeah because that does not look good uh even on a smaller phone you know the pentile matrix layout is pretty ugly i think it, it's pretty artifacty but it's cheaper uh the vita didn't use that that would i mean nintendo always finds a way to nintendo thing but if you, <laughs> you know you take the same 720p resolution you increase the size and then you add in a pentile matrix and it's just like it wouldn't look uh, great <laughs> I would hope they don't do that. Hope Nintendo doesn't do that. We want a good OLED. Don't do that, please. We want Nintendo. good OLED clarity. We don't want exactly. <laughs> Nintendo, don't Nintendo this up. <laughs> exactly. Now we can shift into some of the Streamlab questions for this week, and. The first question is tailor-made for the two of you. Uh-oh. Jackie G donated a dollar and asks, question for MVG, was the Neo Geo AES ever released in the UK? I've heard it released in Europe. However, I cannot find any that aren't the Japanese version. That's a really good question. I want to say no. And John, you may, you may let me know if you have any more info i believe it was japan and north america only but i could be i could be wrong yeah that's um i i don't re remember any pal region I, i'm Neo pretty Geo. sure that that it was released in europe okay I, I i feel like it was but i you're right it's difficult to, no it yeah it was absolutely uh, there, there are European specific versions of games. I know for the AES, uh, and I think of that because I've been kind of laughing. There was um, a sale for Kizuna Encounter, which mm -hmm. is not a rare game, but there was a European version of that in the works, and that version I guess got canceled. So there's like five copies in existence. Yeah, I'm, I'm and one of them just one. sold for seventy thousand euros, I think. Yep. yep so you're right. The existence of that suggests that there are other uh, European market versions of AES games. But the thing is, though, that would I'd imagine that back then, like we saw this with some other systems, that none of those games probably received PAL optimizations. Right. And, you know, the MVS versions of the games that would have appeared in arcades probably would have just been 60 hertz anyway. Yeah, that's that's the part I'm, I'm struggling with that's kind of messing with me is 50 hertz Neo Geo games. You know what I mean? But um, I, yeah, guess, I, I guess it was think a thing. That that, that I, don't, I don't know because, again, like in arcades, at least from what I can tell, having visited multiple arcades with machines from back in the day here in Europe, they're all 60 hertz monitors in those things. 
Uh, it was just at home where 50 hertz was more common, or like the standard, even if TVs could support 60 hertz. But there's a good number of games released for consoles back then that were not optimized at all for 50 hertz. Yeah. Like they just release them, they run slow, the music is slow, everything is slow, and the, the image is squished and bordered. Uh, so I would feel pretty bad, though, spending that money on an AES game and have it run that way so it's it's kind of a weird situation unless they put out the system and it's like hey you need a 60 hertz screen uh because this is neo geo you you, you go big or go home that's true <laughs> <laughs> we then had a dollar donation from jeremy biff who writes what is nintendo's october game i think it's going to be a spooky game like bayonetta 3 metroid smt5 Resident Evil, Fatal Frame, or an Eternal Darkness reboot oh by God. Blooper Team. This is like Blooper that is, Team. It's like the ultimate that wishful thinking. Yeah, this is like this is like the biggest nice to have pie in the sky type stuff. I mean, I'd love all of that, but I don't think we're going to get any of it, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. <laughs> I, mean, I think we could we could see a we will see a Metroid game this year. I don't know if it'll be the October game. What do you think but, the October game is? I mean, honestly, out of the games announced to this point, I would say the October game is Pokemon. Yes, that's what I would say, too. I'm going with Devil's Third Remastered. Oh, dear Ooh. God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> see how, let's see how they could make the game worse. No, it would actually. I'm sure it would be better on Switch. I mean, the multiplayer was fun. I don't. I don't actually hate the gameplay in that game. I think th- there's some interesting ideas in there, but it was really let down by the uh, Unreal Engine three performance on uh, Wii U. It yes. was lousy, just absolute terrible. It's kind of the same thing with Sonic Boom and the Cry Engine, which, again, not a great game, but it's pretty <laughs> much destroyed by the performance. Yeah, Devil's Third is a really interesting project when you look back at it and its whole development cycle. I hope one day someone's able to do like a deep dive retrospect on everything that happened with that game. Pour one out for Itagaki. Yeah. How it ended up being like how Nintendo went there and picked that up as an exclusive to the Wii U. It sounds like a DF retro with John and Audi to me. It could be. I would be into that. Make it happen. (laughs) We then had a dollar donation from Wire Done. Right? Could the OLED Switch revision just be a Switch Lite, but the Switch Pro could be a full-on replacement for the standard Switch? Well, I think you would have uh, your question would have been answered if you uh, if you listened to this episode. That is true. Yeah. Then had it's a three dollar. Well, actually, you know what? I got a comment real quick. I don't actually think it would be a, a Switch Lite replacement because the whole point of the Lite is that it has a smaller screen. Mm. That's uh, true. This was, this is going in the opposite direction. Yeah, this is going bigger. So it'd have to be the switch heavy in that case. <laughs> so then we had a three dollar donation from Jared Helder. Writes everyone is tired of the new Super Mario Brothers look, with four games recycling the same look. The style in 3D world was converted into 2D for Mario Maker 2. Do you think Nintendo will make a 2D Mario with those assets? I would love that. I would also love that, but I think if Nintendo is to make a new 2D Mario, they'll probably try 
a brand new style. Yeah, that's yeah. my guess as well. I think the new style is over. Yes. I mean, we last saw it back in 2012, technically. I mean, there is the re-release on Switch, but I don't really count that because it's just that game again. So I feel like they've, they've finished with that new style. That's an old thing from the Wii DS era. And if they ever did a new 2D Mario, it would be a unique looking game with its own new style. But not... Yes. <laughs> I say new style, but I don't mean new style, if you know what I mean. Yes, Nintendo has to walk away from that new style. It's old, it's antiquated, it's really not that visually appealing. I mean, the whole thing was designed originally with the idea, the capabilities of the DS in mind, and obviously it changed dramatically as uh, it moved to more powerful machines, but this idea of combining uh, like flat 2D billboards with 3D models it just kind of made sense. On the yes. DS. Yeah, at the time for the DS version, it was like, wow, that this looks awesome. And then as it came to the Wii U launch and we we're looking at New Super Mario Bros. U, it was just looking like, oh, great, it's an HD Wii you know, game. More than that, though, the, my problem with the new series was actually the soundtracks were terrible. Yes, I think the that, music is just horrendous. Yeah, it it's is. so bad compared to otherwise great Mario tracks. Up that ba ba will haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> they never got away from that, and the dancing Koopa every time that beat dropped. It's it like, was a fun gimmick, but the music wasn't there to back up that gimmick. Right. And <laughs> when you look back at the old 2D Mario games, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario Brothers World, they all had these fantastic atmospheric soundtracks. And the oh, only were, thing they, I remember they were from built New on Super these Mario super. Uh, like singular motifs, mm-hmm. you know, like Super Mario World basically has like one or two songs, but they found Koji Kondo found ways to sort of reuse that theme over and over again in really interesting ways, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, and New Super Mario Brothers didn't. They just kept using the same theme in the same way with the same bop bop, and it became very irritating after four games. Do better, Nintendo. We know you can. Then had a $5 donation from Skittittles, who writes, It is my understanding that Sonic 3 and Knuckles cannot be re-released due to rights issues for the music with the Michael Jackson estate. If you ran things at Sega, would you opt to record a new soundtrack or leave Sonic 3 to be lost to time? What do you think, John? It's a weird one. I mean, I've played so much Sonic 3, so personally, like, I don't need it re-released because I have the cartridge. But as far as like opening it up to a larger audience, I think if you were going to bring it back, you'd want to do so in a pretty big way. And I think redoing the soundtrack would not be a bad thing. There's there's some amazing composers out there that could do it justice. Yeah, I think um, it could almost be they could almost position it as like they wouldn't do this, but I would position it as sort of a uh, an imaginary Sega CD version of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what if we get an enhanced Sega CD version? It wouldn't be the first time that a Sonic game received a different soundtrack. It's just, uh, they they shouldn't use... So, I don't know, have you guys ever played the, the Windows 95 version of Sonic 3 and Knuckles? No. Uh, they took out all of the Michael Jackson-adjacent tracks and replaced them with new tracks, and they are mm-hmm. all horrendous 
Oh, I have, it's to, I have to try this now. Really bad. Like they are this. so bad. You've got me interested. And you get, they're all MIDI music too, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, first of all, MIDI I think doesn't really fit Sonic in general. Like even with a nice MIDI module, it does sound kind of weird. I guess. I mean, you could do it if you use like a some of those fancy samples from like the SC88 Pro that Japanese composers often mm-hmm. played with. But you know, most people back then they had at most uh, like a wavetable sound card, but most people were still using like an OPL2 or OPL3 FM synth card. And the, playing Sonic with an FM synth soundtrack that doesn't have any of the percussion, because obviously the Mega Drive Genesis is an FM chip, but they use those extra channels to do like digital perga- percussion. You know, they're actually using like samples for that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that on the PC. So it just sounds awful. Yeah, it's 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 bad. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we could look for a um, an update to Sonic Three. I think that'd be really cool. But yeah, um, and you're right, John. I think you know finding a composer that um, can respectfully you know um, make a new soundtrack would be kind of cool. I, I'd I'd be into it for sure. Get T Lopes back, man. Yeah, from from Sonic Mania, his stuff. Let's do it. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, Sonic Mania's soundtrack is fantastic. It's top tier. We then had a $7.70 donation from Mr. Brofield, who writes, Hey gang, started listening a few months ago and really appreciate the varied perspectives you share. My question is, what rumored Nintendo Switch Online updates do you expect or hope for? New platforms, N64, GameCube, Game Boy, DS, streaming apps, another free-to-play game, something else entirely. I think we'll get some new free-to-play games um, as we start to celebrate some anniversaries this year, very similar to, you know, the Mario 35 stuff, um, you know, kind of those time time games that, that are free-to-play for a while. Um, will we get N64 on the eShop? No, I don't think that's that's going to happen. may not even happen at all this generation. Um, GameCube, uh, sorry, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games possibly may get added. Uh but other than that, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, same. I would like to see Game Boy and Game Boy Advance stuff added, though. That would be that would be, that'd be very nice. Yes, I'd be into that. Yeah, I mean, my hope is a new platform is added. But beyond that, Nintendo really doesn't treat the Nintendo Switch Online service with really any seeming care. I mean, they made the Nintendo Switch Online hub. And I really don't understand the point of the hub because it still has to launch the independent apps. So it was just, I guess, an extra step to get to the games. So if there is any update, I hope they kind of unify the hub into just exactly what it's supposed to be, a hub. Get rid of the two independent apps, host it from that one hub center, and launch the games directly from that. But with Nintendo and online, my hopes and expectations are always just bare minimum. And they're usually good at delivering that. Yeah, and with especially with classic games these days, I'm I find myself increasingly disinterested with just straight up emulation on these things. I don't really think that's really worth the, the time anymore. But what I'd like to see is more what a lot of the emulation development community is doing outside of Nintendo with a lot of these enhancements. You know, mm-hmm. where you go back to old games and make improvements, whether it's removing slowdown, adding visual features, you know, increasing the aspect ratio from like 16 by 9, 21 by 9, uh, Super NES games, stuff like that. 
Like that is really interesting, and it offers a feature you couldn't get on an original machine. Uh, but I don't think Nintendo has ever demonstrated interest in doing that outside of, I suppose, the 3D Classics line, mm-hmm. which were awesome, by the way. I love those. Yeah, those were awesome because they had the, what it was Excite Bike, Kirby. Kirby was the big one for me. Yeah, that was really really cool. Yeah, those looked awesome, but. Nintendo, they always introduce something that's really neat, and then they kind of quickly abandon it if it doesn't meet their expectations, and they don't stick with it. So, but they always they they have this weird habit with that kind of stuff of starting with like low tier titles, like oh we yeah. gotta do it chronologically, and they put out <laughs> the stuff nobody really wants, and then they say oh, well that wasn't a success, and then you never get the stuff you did want. Yeah, they- although Kirby was kind of the off the oddball one there because that didn't fit the mold, but most of the 3D classic stuff was kind of not that interesting. Yeah, I mean, like Excite Bike, I I enjoyed Excite Bike, but putting it into the 3D classics, it didn't really add anything to the game. Like, yeah, it looked like I was actually driving over hills, but <laughs> it wasn't anything like, I have to buy this game. And then Sega had their 3D classic line too. No, those, those were great. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. But they chose games that actually utilized it well and made the games more like immersive. Especially those arcade games where they yes. got proper widescreen support and all kinds of stuff there. It's just awesome yeah. versus Nintendo. It's like, you guys like Urban <laughs> Champion, right? Yeah, that game's on more <laughs> Nintendo platforms than almost any other product. <laughs> Every time they watch service, like they just Urban Champion, game up. Like, we don't want this game. Sure you do. Like, stop forcing it on us. No, we, we will make you play this until you love it. Like, I, there's got to be somebody in Nintendo that has like a fondness for Urban Champion. <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody on that board of directors must have created the game and they're like, it they will be worked on, on it or there's something about it because it just keeps showing up and I don't know why. I don't know anybody that, that likes Urban Champion. I swear, every survey Nintendo sends out, people are writing in, no more Urban Champion. Nintendo's like, the demand is there. Like, hey, we want a new Golden Sun. How about Urban Champion? They ru- they run it through the machine. Everybody writes no more Urban Champion, and the machine just sees Urban Champion. It's like everybody's talking about this Urban Champion. We have to keep giving it. We have to stop. We have to stop now. Nope. We're gonna make an Urban Champion dedicated Switch. Be the only one that will never sell a unit. Poor Urban Champion. <laughs> and that was the final Streamlab question. For this week, if you'd like to support the channel, we have the Streamlabs link in our description below on YouTube. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And if you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. And I'd like to thank our guest this week, John Linneman from Digital Foundry for joining us again. Oh, Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure chatting with you uh, both. It's good That's fun. Always, it is good fun having you here and talking about what Nintendo may be doing with new hardware in 2021 exactly. and 2022. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'd like to thank my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer, for joining me as well. Thank you for having me on, Nate, and uh, thanks for coming and uh, talking with us, John, for the last hour or so. It's been fun. Yeah, definitely. And you can find links to Modern Vintage Gamer and Digital Foundry in the description below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.